This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. For every recipe, there are step-by-step photo instructions full color. So it's just this incredible resource for anybody who wants an extra bit of guidance in the kitchen and to sort of be able to look at these pictures and say, my dough looks correct at stage four, like the batter is looking exactly like it should be at stage five of this recipe. Hey, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. And this is Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding families because man, kids need to eat a lot. And frequently too. All right, Megan. Let's jump right into today's subject. Cookbooks. It's one of our favorites. 2018 has been such an awesome year for cookbooks. I agree. And you Including know. that you just wrote one. Yeah. It's pretty I awesome. Did. I just wrote one. Although mine's <laughs> not coming out till 2020, which is going to be another fantastic year for cookbooks. I just have a yes. feeling. <laughs> I agree. So our What We're Digging this week, where we usually pick something that's helping us in the kitchen... You know, whether it's a tool or a product or a food item or ingredient, let's pick cookbooks because we want to do kind of the best of the year. But also this kind of doubles as maybe like some shopping help, holiday shopping help for people, you know, for whom you might be looking for a cookbook. I know I love getting cookbooks every year. I do too. And that's even with getting a lot of them sent from publishers um, and buying lots of them for work. I still have cookbooks on my Chris- my own personal Christmas list. Me too. I love getting them as holiday gifts. So let's do it. What cookbook are you digging from 2018? Okay. I have a couple that I'll just mention really quickly. I think I've mentioned before, which is Chrissy Teigen's Cravings Hungry for More, which surprised me by being awesome. I wasn't really necessarily a fan of Chrissy before reading her book, and then it made me fall in love with her. Shocking. And then I know 
I know other people really love her, and I'm just like, yeah. But the cookbook was so great, and there's a pad thai carbonara in that cookbook that I made once to review the cookbook, and now we have it like once every couple of weeks because my family loves it. Um, And that's a one bowl, like fast and easy thing. I thought of you because I saw on social media somebody, like some Italian, Italian American, I don't know, being like, oh my God, carbonara doesn't have that and this and that. And she, like, of course, gave zero S. She whipped back. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) And I thought of you. And I was like, oh, Megan would get such joy out of this response. Yes. I think she's one of the few people who, I mean, it really is a clash of two cultures, that one recipe. But it works. And it's really good. And I think that's the only time when it's allowed a little bit. I don't know. Then my second recommendation would be Kelly Foster's Buddha Bowls. Kelly is an editor at The Kitchen where I write full time. And it's just like one of those books. If you're trying to figure out meal prep as a form of meal plan, you just kind of like need some guidance and inspiration. It's just a really solid book for that. There's a bunch of sauces, which you can take like basic things like roasted or poached chicken and some roasted vegetables and turn it into a really delicious dinner because it has one of the sauces on it. But you know what's on my Christmas list for books is actually, this is not a cookbook. It doesn't really count. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, Magazine subscriptions. I just recently subscribed to Family Circle Magazine, which I had never before, but I'm really impressed with their December issue. They have these smart, like instead of just regular Christmas cookies, they do like large scale Christmas cookies that look like wreaths or look like a snow globe. So instead of giving your neighbors and friends like a dozen sugar cookies that you meticulously iced, you give them like one giant one and they just break off or cut off pieces of it. And I just think that's really smart. So magazine subscriptions are another great thing to give. You can even buy them through Amazon that feel like a cookbook, but um, require less time commitment if you're giving them like to another parent who's really busy and just needs some like dinner inspiration or cooking inspiration. I love that. And who would have ever thought that there'd come a time when a magazine subscription would be the thing that feels old school compared to a book? (laughs) Yet, here we are, people. Here we are. And Stacey, we are are to the point here where you're going to tell us what cookbook you would recommend for gifts this year. We have an amazing guest today who's sort of a cookbook aficionado. And I have to say that he mentioned a whole bunch of mine. So I'm not going to repeat myself. Um, And I'm just going to go for one that I have a feeling, actually, he didn't even get to all of his lists. We're going to add some of his additional lists on our show notes. And I have a feeling that this one is going to end up on our show notes in one of his lists. But since he didn't mention it in our recording, I'm going to mention it because it's one of my favorites of 2018. It's called Now and Again, Go-To Recipes, Inspired Menus, and Endless Ideas for Reinventing Leftovers. By Julia Tertian. Yes, by Julia Tertian. And she's one of my favorites. So she, at this point, is very well known on her own, but she also helped Gwyneth Paltrow write a whole bunch of her cookbooks. And I know Gwyneth Paltrow is making everybody go, (gasps) but a lot of Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbooks are some of my favorites, actually. And she just is the master of really simple, great recipes. Now, I have to admit that the cookbook that Julia wrote on her own before this one called Small Victories was also well-received, 
but not my favorite. Stacy, I feel I like you're know. not supposed to say that. I love but tell her. Us, I love tell her. Tell us a little bit about why. Okay, so I I love Julia. I think she is one of the best in our field right now. I look up to her. I admire her work. I think Small Victories is a great idea for a cookbook. Some of the recipes are really good, but a bunch of them just didn't just didn't work for me. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know if they were just too simple. They just didn't wow me. They just didn't. I don't know. They just didn't. They weren't my favorite. I don't they know what else for you. to say. That's okay. That's what we we tell our kids to say when they don't like something. This just go. wasn't for me. Just wasn't for me. But this book, on the other hand, she kind of returned to what I love her for and what worked so well in the cookbooks that she partnered up with Gwyneth Paltrow to write, which is this really simple recipes, tiny handful of ingredients that combine in really creative ways to get great flavor. But even better, she does it in a way where she's also working in leftovers. So the whole idea behind this book is that you get 125 really simple recipes, you get 20 menu ideas, but then also she gives you ideas for what to do with the leftovers, how to use these recipes again the second time around. And I just love that. It's such a great way to really think about your food and your cooking so that you, you can, can cook once, use the food twice. And you know that I love that. And I think it's really great for family cooks, especially. I mean, family cooks, people who want to reduce waste. Yeah, all of those things. And I I do want to mention, I know you said you weren't a huge fan of small victories, but Julia also wrote a book called Feeding yeah, the Resistance. She, that's right. So in I was between the that. two. Yes. She was the editor is, of that book. Yes. Which correct me if I'm wrong, but it's be, it's a collection of recipes, but also ideas for engaging in your community and being an activist, which, you know, I think is something we could all use some help with given our current political climate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what's so great about Feed the Resistance is this, this little small book, and it actually makes a really great holiday gift. And, you know, it's it's less than $10. And it's all of the recipes are collected from different cookbook authors and recipe developers. And the idea is that they are recipes for a gathering. And they aren't necessarily about being on one side of the political spectrum or another, although, you know, it is about expressing um, support for civil rights and environmental protection. So, you know, it does have a slant. But the idea is get people together, get to know your neighbors, cook for a group, you know, make a sheet cake, get your neighbors together and do something, you know, do something good. So I just, I think Julia, I love the way she thinks about food in general, both in terms of what it means in a community, but also then how she thinks about how to cook. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to cook once, use it twice, reduce waste, maximize your effort. So I just think she's one of um, our great contemporaries. Well, we have a bunch of other great recommendations in today's episode. Our guest is Brian Hogan-Stewart, who is the host and creator of Salt and Spine, a weekly podcast focused exclusively on the art and craft of the cookbook, the stories behind their creation, evolution, and lasting legacy. 
Brian is joining us today with his 2018 cookbook recommendations for gift giving, for buying for yourself and beyond. All right, Brian, we like to start with the hard hitting questions right off the bat. Your number one favorite cookbook of the year. And you know what? Most people are like, it's okay if you can't just pick just one, but I'm going to ask you to pick just one. Oh, okay, I and then if you really can't. <laughs> <laughs> I no had a pressure. feeling you would make me pick just one. And it <laughs> it is really so hard to pick a favorite there, especially this year. I think in 2018, there were just so many excellent cookbooks for home cooks. I thought long and hard about if I had to pick one favorite cookbook which it would be from this year. And I think my choice would be Season by Nick Sharma. If you're not familiar with Nick Sharma, he is a popular food blogger who also um, has a column in the San Francisco Chronicle called The Brown Kitchen. And this is his first cookbook. It's pretty accessible for home cooks. There's some uh, ingredients and spices in here that it might take a little bit of time to seek out and find. And uh, some of these might be a little more complicated for weeknight recipes, but it's just a beautiful cookbook. He shoots all his own photography. It's really um, moody and compelling. And the so I love his photography. But the thing I love most is the way he plays with flavors. So he pulls in, he, he was born in Bombay. He's Indian by heritage. And he pulls in a lot of the influence there and merges it with a lot of the American cooking and his um, partners from the South, so pulling in some Southern influence too. And you end up with these just incredibly flavorful, unique recipes. One of my favorites is he has a curry leaf popcorn chicken. It's actually a pretty simple weeknight recipe. Uh, If you throw the chicken in a marinade, it fries up pretty quickly. Uh, And he suggests serving it with like a ranch dressing or he has a couple sauce recipes like a maple vinegar syrup. It's really delicious, too. Or then like he'll take a chicken soup, for instance, and just sort of rethink it and turn it into this toasted naan, like the naan bread and chicken soup. It's just this wonderful play on flavors and just sort of picks things up a little bit in that way. It's just really inventive, um, and his personal story is interwoven throughout the book, which is just incredible, too. And he's well-known for baking as well. So he has a number of baking recipes in this book, including my favorite, which are uh, his chocolate chip cookies. They're a chocolate chip and hazelnut cookie. He uses hazelnut meal uh, instead of all-purpose flour, and there's chocolate, dark chocolate chunks in here, and then some crystallized ginger. So he calls them spicy chocolate chips. They're not really spicy in terms of like a a pepper spice, but they have a little bit of that bite from the crystallized ginger um, that just makes them like really addicting. And they're really simple, like one bowl chocolate chip hazelnut cookies. So it's an incredible cookbook. The photography is beautiful. The narrative is awesome. The recipes, I've tried many of them and they're delicious. And it's one to really sort of maybe push you outside of your comfort zone and try some bold, inventive flavors that still are really comforting. And I think probably my favorite cookbook, if you had to, had to make me pick just one, it would be Season by Nick Sharma. My mouth is watering. Oh, my gosh. My kids would go crazy for that curry leaf popcorn chicken. It's so good. It's delicious. And it makes a big batch. And the, the maple vinegar syrup or the green chutney sauces that he recommends serving it with last for quite a while in your fridge. So you can just keep making batches. Um, it's delicious. Oh, yum. 
And I'm very impressed with you for picking one cookbook. I like that. A decisive man you are. It was very hard, I will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That cookbook is also on my Christmas list. So I love that you picked it. And I think that the one bowl chocolate or the spicy chocolate chip cookies are a great example of what Nick does really well, which is it's playful and flavor. It's smart for the home cook and it uses unfamiliar ingredients like hazelnut flour in a really smart way so that home cooks can really understand like the benefit of using a different flour because it makes a chewier cookie in the end. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But on the flip side, I want to ask about um, some cookbooks for people who hate to cook that they might actually like or might inspire them to cook. Yes. So I have a, I have two that I think um, are really great for cooks, for people who maybe hate to cook or feel like maybe you don't know how to cook is also sort of how I think about maybe hate to cook. So there's two and I'm hoping you'll let me break the rule slightly because there's one that came out at the end of 2017 that I just have to include. We'll allow it. Okay, perfect. We Thank like you. like rule breakers. <laughs> I only, I'm only going to let myself break the rule once, but I had to, and it's for salt, <laughs> fat, acid, heat. Yes. Which is just an incredible, beautiful cookbook by Samin Nostrat. If you're not familiar with it, uh, it's basically an introduction to these four elements, salt, fat, acid, and heat, and how to master those elements, which Samin argues are the four elements you need to know to do any type of good cooking from any cuisine all across the world. So Samin is just like a wonderful person. Um, I've had the pleasure of getting to sit down with her and having her on my podcast and talking with her about the process of making this cookbook, which took her almost a decade, actually, to um, go from the concept to actually having it out in the world. And the first half of this cookbook really, to me, almost reads like something you would you know, curl up on the couch and read, sort of explaining these four elements Um, in a really simple way. So how is food transformed by salt? And that can be everything from, you know, actual salt that you would add to a dish to other sources of salt, like salty cheeses or soy sauce. And then similarly for fat, acid, and heat. And there's no photography in this book, but it has beautiful illustrations by Wendy McNaughton, including one of my favorite things are these pull-out charts that sort of show you how those components all play together and how they influence various cuisines. So I think this is a great book for folks who maybe don't love cooking or feel like you don't have a lot of the skill set to just sort of run into the kitchen and whip something up because it's really a compelling read. I think you'll really come away from this book understanding sort of the basics of how various things in your kitchen work together and how they influence your recipes. And then, of course, the second half of the book is full of just great recipes and recommendations. Uh, She has a buttermilk marinated roast chicken in here. It's phenomenal. It's so easy. Uh, The chicken marinates in buttermilk overnight. It cooks in the oven. You'll have the crispiest skin. The meat is so tender. It's just like a delicious weeknight meal with very minimal advanced planning required other than the marinating. She also does some panzanella salads based on different seasons. So there's a great autumn panzanella that we're in the season for now that has roasted squash and sage and hazelnut, using up some of those, some of that leftover sage from Thanksgiving, if you still have some sitting around um, in the back of the fridge. But really, it's just this beautiful book that I think is like, a Bible of cooking for any home cook to just sort of understand 
how cooking works and how to master these elements and become a great cook in your kitchen. And bonus, she also just released this incredible Netflix special. So if you pick up the book and just feel super compelled by uh, her approach to cooking and how she teaches home cooks to master these elements, there's a great four-part Netflix series where she actually travels around the world to learn more about how these four elements influence cooking across the globe. So that's my rule breaker book. It actually came out at the end of 2017, but I I can't recommend a better cookbook for someone who is maybe not um, super confident in the kitchen or doesn't really love cooking and wants to take a different approach. I'm glad you mentioned it because I think a lot of people are coming to Samin now from the Netflix series Mm -hmm. and maybe don't realize that there's a book that came before it and it is, I hate to use that, the term, because I feel like it's a little bit cheesy, but it's like a new classic. I think everyone should have her book in their kitchen. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it comes across as a book for avid home cooks or foodies that actually, if you take a closer look at it, is really, like you're saying, Brian, for people who may not like to cook or know how to cook, actually. And the recipes are amazingly simple. And it's really, I mean, they're a revelation in how simple they are, even for people who do know how to cook. You know, it's um, it's a really great reminder for new novice cooks and experienced cooks alike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the fact that she was able to distill it down to those four elements is just so approachable and so accessible. She's she taught, she's taught cooking classes. Samin has taught cooking classes for many, many years. And so you see that really shine through the ability to teach people how to cook. But we often see these books of like the 12 things to master in the kitchen, right? You need to know how to sear, you need to know how to roast or, you know, the 20 essential things um, to become a good cook. But really, she boils it down to these four, which I think is just so accessible. And, and like you said, you know, even if you spend a lot of time in the kitchen, a phenomenal book to just really understanding how these things, how cooking works. And Brian, you said you have one more cookbook for people who either hate to cook or maybe aren't confident cooks and so they avoid it. Yeah, I have one more, mostly because I felt bad breaking the rule and giving you one from (laughs) the end of last year. (laughs) So my second choice for people who maybe are not super avid home cooks is a book called What's Gabby Cooking? Everyday California Food by a food blogger, Gabby Dalkin. Um, I don't pick a lot of books from food bloggers typically just because I want to make sure they're well-tested. And, you know, if you're going to invest time and money into making an ingredient or into purchasing ingredients and making a dish, you want to know it's going to you know turn out. But What's Gabby Cooking? The name of her blog has a great reputation Um, she's worked on some other cookbooks before, and I've tried a lot of the recipes in here and they're just really pretty simple, uh, straightforward and ingredient focused dishes. It's also just like, I think the reason I picked it for this category is because her photography is excellent and everything just looks so craveable. I mean, she's, she's sort of one of the like Instagram food bloggers who knows how to make everything look beautiful, but she does it in a way that's very easy to replicate at home. So they're very simple dishes like um, a salad with stone fruits and burrata that just looks like stunning and is popping off the page. And I want to just devour it, but it's so easily recreatable at home. She does like turkey burgers with sun-dried tomato and balsamic onions that comes together really easily on a weeknight or like a taco skillet bake. 
Or one of my other favorites is she has a pulled pork pizza with a really simple cabbage slaw. Um, so there's just a lot of really uh, great fresh flavors in here and the recipes come together quickly. And I think it would be hard for someone, whether you love to cook or hate to cook, to pick up this book and look at the pictures of her recipes and not feel like you want to run into your kitchen and recreate them. It's true that her food photography is amazing. And I believe that because I have the book and doesn't her one of her good friends, Adam, I can't remember his last name. Yeah, Adam is her food stylist. And then Matt yeah. is her oh, photographer. Oh, it's Adam and Matt. Yes. 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 And they Same do way. amazingly gorgeous work. They do. And they do everything for her blog as well as everything for um, her cookbook. So if you're fans of her blog, um, her team is behind this cookbook too. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And I have to say that my kids really do love her her cooking. It's really, it's very like California, a lot of Tex-Mex influence, really, like you said, fresh and healthy. And it is the kind of food that because she does a lot of, she plays with a lot of Tex-Mex flavors, but then she manages to kind of keep it light most of her recipes, she like walks this nice line between healthy-ish, but still with all these like really great robust flavors, a lot of like guacamole and fresh ingredients, cheese where it belongs, you know, the kids just Wait, kind of where love does it. cheese not belong? I mean, you know, <laughs> but she also like Lots of big, hearty salads, too. You know, I just feel like she walks a nice line between, like, healthy and indulgent. I guess that's what I mean. Yes. So I feel like the kids really like it and feel like it's really, like, hearty and satisfying. But I don't feel like I'm eating, like, super unhealthy food night after night after night, if that yeah, makes absolutely. any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we had her on our podcast earlier this year, and um, she said something that stuck with me that her approach is all about balance, which I think is, is what you're saying there too, that yeah. she's, she's not afraid to indulge a little bit. And she has some excellent dessert recipes as well in terms of indulgence, but it's all about with her recipes balance. And I think that's what a lot of folks want these days. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Radish Kids, and then more picks from Brian. Hey, Megan, I'm going to share with you a universal truth of life. Even grownups who don't like to cook love to eat. Ah, you're very clever, Stacy. But I have an even deeper truth that many seek to know. Even kids who don't like to eat everything love to cook everything. How are you so wise, Megan? <laughs> it's easy because I know that when kids cook, they learn in a real life way that's fun and engaging. That's why we love our sponsor, Radish, so much. It's a cooking kit for kids 2 to 14 years old that delivers illustrated recipe guides, activities, a kitchen tool, conversation cards, and more every month to get kids and their families in the kitchen together. And we know that it works for such a big range of kids because we've given it to all four of our very own kids from four to nearly 12 years old. And they've had so much fun that Radish is on the top of our holiday gift list for everyone with kids. And we think it should be on the top of yours too. To learn more about how Radish subscriptions work, what's included, and pricing options, go to radishkids.com. www.radishkids.com. Those are great ones. I love that. Okay, so 
You talked about desserts. Let's hop around a little bit. We're going to get back to savory food and dinners because dinner is the, you know, nut that parents are always trying to crack, so to speak. But let's talk about baking. So Megan has a background in baking. I do not. I'm a savory cook. And this is a category that I came up with. Best baking cookbooks that don't require a PhD in crafting and design because... (laughs) I feel like (laughs) all these beautiful baking projects (laughs) come out like womp womp when I do them. (laughs) And we should mention, Brian, before you dive in, that you told us you're getting ready to do like a four-part series on your podcast, Salt and Spine, that is baking cookbook related. So people should tune in for those as well to hear more from these authors, who I'm assuming some of them you're going to recommend their books. That's right. Yes, we have a couple folks um, that I'm going to recommend coming on in December um, to talk about baking right before the holidays. So I love this category, baking books that don't require a PhD, (laughs) I feel like should be a category in all cookbook stores. Um, And I have two from this year that I think really stood out to me. So the first is uh, Genius Desserts by Food52 and Kristen McGlory. Um, So Kristen McGlory writes the the genius recipes column uh, at Food52, which is a a website, a community-driven website of recipes. And she basically gives recipes the the stamp of this is a genius recipe. She did a book of genius recipes that were savory recipes a while back, and this is the sequel all on dessert. So it's 100 recipes that will change the way you bake. Now, I, I think this fits this category because it really has a range of skill sets. So a genius recipe, by her definition, doesn't necessarily mean it's the most simple. There are incredibly simple recipes in here that are like less than five ingredients and two steps, which I'll, I'll mention one or two of those. There's also some that are a little bit more intensive when you want to you know, spend a Saturday making a, a more intensive cake or something. But the thing that I love is these recipes are super well tested. In order to be a genius recipe, you know that some testing has gone into it. Um, and that she's determined that it really sort of meets that standard of having that label. And then they're all collected from really reputable sources. So as you look through here, all hundred of these dessert recipes are collected from cookbook authors, many of which you may know. Um, They've often been published before in other cookbooks. So um, we see recipes from folks like Rose Levy Berenbaum, who wrote The Cake Bible, or Julia Tertian's recipes or Nigella Lawson's throughout this book. So I love that book. I love this book. They're really just sort of iconic desserts. And then throughout, there's these incredible little tips and tricks that she's also curated from expert bakers that home cooks can really apply. One of my favorite tips that I learned from this book is using sugar instead of beans to weight down a pie crust if you're making a pie crust. Wait, what? I've never heard that one before. That is so smart. And then actually, after you do it a couple of times, you end up with the sugar sugar. toasted. And then she has some uses for how to use that toasted sugar. And it it does a better job of actually holding your pie crust in place because it's smaller granules than beans. So it sort of fills in better. The weight's more distributed. So there's little like genius tips like that throughout. But there's great recipes in here. She has a recipe, for instance, from Deb Perlman, who writes the Smitten Kitchen blog. That's basically Rice Krispie treats, but they're picked up a bit with ground butter and a little bit of sea salt. So a really simple recipe 
but just like a notch above your traditional Rice Krispie recipe. There's a chocolate chip cookie brittle in here that's incredible. It, it was one of those like recipes that just went super viral on Pinterest and everybody was pinning it. And it's basically like making a giant chocolate chip cookie without any yeast effect in there and then just sort of breaking it up into cookie brittle, which is amazing. And then one of my favorites that I make all the time um, is a coconut ice cream. And ice cream's in quotes because it's made with coconut milk. This is a recipe from Julia Tertian uh, that was published in her first cookbook, Small Victories. And then it appears here in Genius Desserts from Food 52. And you, you open a can of uh, coconut milk and just pour it into an ice cube tray, freeze it in the freezer, and then those ice cubes go into a food processor with, I like to put frozen raspberries in, but she recommends frozen mango and a squeeze of lime juice. You could just do plain coconut milk. So it's a great like dairy-free, basically one to two step ice cream um, from scratch. Don't need an ice cream machine. So there's also super simple recipes like that in here. So it's a range of recipes like that to cakes, to muffins. It's just, it's a really amazing cookbook for a home cook to have. And you haven't picked an ugly book yet. Of any of your books. They're it's all another beautiful, beautiful one. I That's right. I love that. Do you have one other baking book that doesn't require a PhD or is that the, the that's the one. resistance? I do. That that's a phenomenal one from Food Fifty Two, but I have one more. And I, I just alluded to her. So Rose Levy Berenbaum, oh, um, who folks queen. may know, wrote the Cake Bible, yes, which is now um I think she said in its fifty-sixth printing. I thought it was 50th and we had um, her in our studio recently and she said, I think 56th or 57th. So many folks, uh, I think, probably have a copy of the baking of the cake Bible um, or some of her other books like the bread Bible. Uh, This is uh, her latest book and it's called Rose's Baking Basics. So this is a little bit different than some of her other books. It's more geared towards bakers who are, are maybe new to baking or beginners But it's also just a great book for anybody who enjoys baking. And the thing that she and her partner Woody did on this cookbook is they decided every step of every recipe would have a photo. So there's 100 essential baking recipes in here from pies to cakes to breads. There's some simple bread recipes in here, cookies, of course. But for every recipe, there are step-by-step photo instructions, full color. So it's just this incredible resource for anybody who wants an extra bit of guidance in the kitchen and to sort of be able to look at these pictures and say, you know, my my dough looks correct at stage four, like the batter is looking exactly like it should be at stage five of this recipe. So there's a triple lemon velvet bundt cake in here that if you pick up this book has to be the first thing you make. It's so delicious. It sounds so good. Yes. And even some of the simple bread recipes in here, obviously she wrote the bread Bible. Um, there's some really simple bread recipes in here that you could make just to have around for the week. So um, Rose's Baking Basics, I think it's just a, an excellent book that does not require a PhD and will turn out some really great baking from your kitchen. That's such a great suggestion because she's like the queen. I mean, I feel like that's where you start, right? Absolutely. She is the queen. She's the baking queen. <laughs> I love it. All right, I mean, I'm I don't gonna... know if Megan agrees, but she is to me because I don't have a PhD in baking. I think those are two. I'm especially excited about Genius Desserts as a pick. And I haven't looked at Rose's new book, so I don't have a strong opinion either way. But I love the idea that every step is illustrated. I think that that's the most intimidating thing for home bakers is not knowing like what a batter should look like 
you can look at a finished cake and think it's gorgeous and want to make it. But if you don't know how to make all the components, it can be kind of scary and you can end up wasting ingredients because you don't know what something's supposed to look like. So I love the idea that every step is illustrated. I'm going to take us the other direction and do a lightning round for Brian. Can you give us with really quickly (laughs) your top five family cookbooks from 2018. And I'm going to say family loosely because it doesn't have to be, you know, labeled as a family cookbook. It could be something that utilizes leftovers or uses the Instant Pot. And so it makes family cooking easier. This is it. Like this is the meat and potatoes, so to speak. (laughs) You like how I work that in, right? The bread and and butter. Yes. And butter. Yeah. (laughs) This is what our listeners are waiting for. Like, okay. What our listeners who are cooking for kids, weeknight meals, quick, easy, whether they're a beginner cook, whether they like to cook or not to cook, like the truth is, like it's an even playing field at 6 p.m. on Tuesday night when we have kids tugging at our apron strings. So these are the cookbooks that help get us through. Yes. Lightning round. I'll give you five and maybe we'll go in lightning fashion from what I think are maybe the quickest and simplest and most successful to those where you want to just veer a little bit more into complicated or interesting flavors. So first pick is Repertoire by Jessica Batalana. I love this cookbook. Jessica Batalana is a San Francisco Chronicle columnist. She's worked on a lot of other cookbooks. These are her 75 like tried and true home cooking recipes, the things that you can make again and again. One of my absolute favorite recipes in here is her green, greenest green salad. It has a green goddess dressing that saves in the fridge for a week, comes together in the blender, is so easy to make. It's delicious. has anchovies hidden in it. I give it to my nieces and nephews, and they have no idea there's anchovies in it. They love it. It's so delicious. She has a grilled tahini chicken that's also incredible. So 75, just like really excellent weeknight recipes, repertoire by Jessica Batsalana. Okay. My second book for quick weeknight dinners would be Nigella Lawson's latest book that just came out this spring. It's called At My Table. Um, If you're familiar with Nigella Lawson, she has always developed recipes that are really, I think, accessible for home cooks and has really always prioritized that. She's a home cook herself. She's not professionally trained. And the book actually opens with she says it doesn't require a lot of technique, dexterity, or expertise. Life is complicated and cooking doesn't have to be. And that's really what this book is all about. She has these tray bakes, which is British term for what we might call sheet pan dinners or sheet or tray it. dinners. It um, sounds so much more civilized. It really a tra- does. A tray bake. A tray bake. Doesn't I have it? The it's it's worst lovely. Worst British accent ever. Sorry about that. <laughs> I apologize. Goodbye. I'm sure she'll forgive you. The chicken and pea tray bake is like something that I just have on rotation when you need a quick dinner. It's a bag of frozen peas, some chicken thighs, slice up a leek, a little bit of sauce. Like that's it. It's all on one pan. It's easy. She has an Indian spice chicken tray bake as well. That's delicious. Um, And some really great like pasta recipes that come together really easily, really quick as well. Okay. Number three. Number three, Ina Garten's latest, also another champion for home cooking. This one's called Cook Like a Pro. This is her 11th cookbook. If you're fans of Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa, you'll definitely want this one. 
great recipes in there like chicken thighs with a creamy mustard sauce or a tomato and eggplant soup that's really nice this time of year and lots of great chicken recipes. Of course, Ina Garten is known for making an amazing chicken. So if you're a poultry lover, great quick recipes from her latest book. Love Ina. Another queen. Number four, Brian. This is lightning Number round. Four. You guys, we got to move it. <laughs> Number four. Tax okay. Master. Number four. This one's a little bit uh, more challenging, but this is uh, Otolenghi Simple. So if you're familiar with the British chef, Yotam Otolenghi, uh, this is his seventh cookbook. You might not think of his books as being simple. This is the simplest of them, but still maybe a step above the others. And really quick lightning round. He actually has an acronym for simple. And the, that's the reason I love this book. So each of those letters means something. So S is short on time. I is 10 or less ingredients. M is make ahead. P is pantry. L is lazy, like a one pot dinner. And E is easier than you think. So you can skim through here and you know you need something one pot. Look for recipes that say L. There's great meatballs in here that I made recently. There's a great chicken schnitzel that he noted his kids love. Um, that you can also use the breading on vegetables or fish, other things as well. So it's a step above in terms of complexity, but it's still, I think, really simple. And if you love his flavors, it's a great one to pull from. All right. And the last one? Okay. The last one, um, number five, is Eat a Little Better, which is the cookbook by Sam Cass, who was the White House chef under the Obama administration. Um, and I just love this book because I think it's a really simple cookbook with a lot of fresh, great recipes uh, that come together really quickly. There's some great narrative in there if, if you're a fan of his as well, but just really great to have like some quick pasta recipes. Uh, there's a great barbecue chicken in there that's really easy and comes together fast for weeknights. And of course, very vegetable and health focused. I think that was a really perfect final pick. I know you prepared some other cookbooks from this year that you love for us, and maybe we can include those on our Didn't I Just Feed You show notes page. And of course, our listeners can go and listen and subscribe and check out Salt and Spine, where you interview cookbook authors about their books. And you had some really wonderful interviews this year as well. I think we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I know I added a couple of things to my Christmas list, maybe not for anyone else, but for myself. Awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah, there's so many incredible books this year, and it would be hard not to find one or two or 10 that you would love to have in your kitchen. Definitely. And I think we should most definitely include your Instant Pot picks and foodie picks, because I think those would make great gifts on the show notes page. So listeners, be sure to hit up our site after this. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah, likewise. And can't wait to listen to the next episode of Salt and Spine. Ugh, Megan, so many great cookbooks and he didn't even get to everything. I know. We will link to more things on didn'tijustfeedyou.com, more of Brian's recommendations. But before we leave you, I have a really quick try this at home, Stacey, and it totally relates to cookbooks. You okay, ready? Great. Tell us. You can and you should borrow cookbooks from the library. <gasps> That's so I genius. I don't know why it took me so long as an adult to figure out that I didn't have to buy every cookbook I wanted to look at. But cookbooks are a whole section in the library. I always forget that. So I feel like it's kind of like a PSA. If there's a cookbook that you're interested in trying out and seeing if you like it before you buy it, 
rent it from your library. I use our library's online system to put cookbooks on hold. And then I go pick them up. I cook from them for a couple weeks. And if I like them, I buy them. And if I don't, I return them and they go to someone else. I also donate a lot of cookbooks that get sent to me to preview to our library. And it makes me feel good that all those cookbooks are getting a second life with someone who will enjoy them. Megan, that's so genius. I've never done that. I love that so much. Yay. I wish we had sound effects. Hand clap, hand clap, hand clap. <laughs> so hop on over to didn'tijustfeedyou.com to get more of Brian's picks, including his favorite Instant Pot cookbooks, cookbooks for leftovers, and cookbooks for die-hard foodies, which make especially great holiday gifts. Find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group. The answer to the secret question is whiskey. And most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and leave a review on iTunes. It makes a really big difference. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Jeremy Enns, and the team at Counterweight Creative. This is Megan. And this is Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs>